This is Statehouse Blend Missouri, a series of conversations with Missouri lawmakers and leaders about the policies and politics that affect people's lives. I'm Brian Ellison. The Missouri General Assembly convenes this week and Republicans are still in charge, with supermajorities largely unaffected by the 2018 election. They're united with Governor Mike Parson, a decidedly less controversial leader than his predecessor, Eric Greitens, who resigned in June. Democrats, well, they have new leadership too, including Representative Deron McGee of Kansas City. The new assistant minority floor leader gave me a hint this week about what he expects from this legislative session and how he expects the parties to work together, or not. I am here with the newly installed assistant minority floor leader, uh, House Democrat Deron McGee, Representative McGee. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Brian. So what does that mean anyway? Assistant minority floor leader. What, what do you do? Well, I essentially I am the second highest ranking House Democrat in the Missouri House uh, under our minority leader. And I basically help run the floor for our side of the aisle. And essentially, I help field all of the other issues that our members may have uh, going forward in this next legislative session. It's a party uh, caucus elected position, and it's our number two position in the House. Are you uh, having some influence on which issues get brought up, which issues get uh, floor time, and which ones don't? No, we don't have any influence on that because that's really based on the majority party, but we sort of decide based on our members who gets to talk on the issues, who's suited to talk on those issues. Um, and essentially, you're like the number two person to the leader of the party. So, um, you know, when she's not able to do some of the things, I sort of fill in for her in that role. Yeah. Representative Crystal Quaid from Springfield, her first year as floor leader. That's a big change for the party. Yeah. So um, I actually came in a special election in 2016. Uh, and so that one year I had does not count towards my term limit. And so technically Crystal and I are in the same class. So we did the freshman tour together. So this is a really a historic day for Missouri because um, in 2018 uh, we elected um, – a speaker, a minority floor leader, an assistant floor leader, uh, all whom are millennials. Um, so mm-hmm. this is a kind of an his- historic day for us. A uh, big day for Springfield, too, uh, with Crystal Quaid and the new speaker, Elijah yes. Har, both from Springfield, which is, uh, that that's a change. Yeah, it is. It's very much a change. Usually your speaker uh, and minority leader have come from the urban areas, St. Louis, St. Louis County, or Kansas City, or the Kansas City area. So, um, I'm curious about that, actually. Uh, Kansas City uh, is not very well represented in leadership other than by yourself uh, and uh, on the Democratic side. Uh, and, and Brandon Ellington is in leadership as well. We've got uh, Senator uh, Kiki Curls, uh, an assistant floor leader on the Senate side, but no one in either Republican leadership caucus from the Kansas City area. Well, that's exactly right. Um, when Representative Mike Searpoy from Lee Summit left as majority floor leader, he, run the, he ran the floor time on the um, on the on the House side, when he went to become the um, senator from the eighth senatorial district in the Senate, that was sort of the last vestige of the Jackson County area uh, in leadership. And so we have not had that since then. And we haven't actually had a member of leadership that I can remember from this side of the state since uh, Charlie Shields. Do you think that has an impact on uh, on policy, on, on laws that affect Kansas City? I think it does. I think it definitely affects the state's priorities, I think. I think when you look at, for example, the Downtown Performing Arts Center, I think that it was going to be very hard to get that moving without uh, Mike Searpoy being the majority floor leader. I think that would have been much more difficult without him being the floor leader uh, to help move that along. 
let's talk a little bit about uh, this session, since you are now in uh, in leadership of one of the parties in, in the House. Uh, the last General Assembly was, I think it's fair to say, consumed by Governor Greitens. Uh, the first session uh, two years ago by his sort of personality and his different style. Uh, and then last year's session, of course, by investigations and his eventual resignation. How will this session with a Governor Parson be different? I think it's going to be different for a number of reasons. One is it's because he's not Governor Greitens. Uh, I think that Governor Parsons um, at least appears to be very thoughtful, um, even though we may disagree on issues, fundamental issues. I think he appears to be collegial. I think he appears to be respectful and a man of integrity um, from all that I can see and what I'm of getting to know him. Um, now, does that mean we won't have disagreements? Absolutely not. But I think it is our job to try to make government work unlike the federal government and try to agree without being disagreeable and trying to keep state government working for working families in the state. Is it your impression that the government has been working the last couple of years? I think functionally, yes. And now, do we agree on the priorities of what government of the state government? Probably not. Um, I think we have some fundamental disagreements uh, about the priorities. Like what? One of those, I think, is tax cuts. I mean, the state is doing very well uh, with the state economy in terms of we have low unemployment. I think we have um, our we have tremendous growth in terms of jobs, but the state is still hemorrhaging dollars in terms of revenue that it's taking in because we continually give tax cuts to the very wealthy of this state and corporations um, who should be paying into the system for roads and bridges and for schools and for a host of other services that the state should be providing. So one of the realities in Missouri is that you can cut taxes as a legislature, but you can't raise them. Correct. Voters have to do that. Correct. Um, does you say the revenue stream is is not sufficient? Uh, what do you do about that? Well, it puts you in a very precarious situation because what has ended up happening. I mean, if you look at the last ballot initiative, you know they tried to pass for Prop D for money for bridges and for roads. With bipartisan support. Yeah, bipartisan support. The governor has supported it, and it still went down Mm -hmm. um, because people don't want to raise their own taxes, and it's a situation where we can't put the money in for these basic infrastructure needs that the the state needs. Um, And so that's what makes these cuts very difficult. Higher ed is another place where we are hemorrhaging money. Many of our higher ed institutions don't have the adequate fund they need to educate tomorrow's workforce. Um, if you, I had a very good conversation with um, Dr. Beatty, who's the chancellor for the Metropolitan Community Colleges here in our area. Um, they have programs where they could put students in the pipeline to get jobs tomorrow for for welding, for to be electricians. Um, for these are hands-on jobs that we need for the future for our tomorrow's workforce that she can't put in these in the kids in these programs because the state isn't funding these programs. Um, as we talk about we want a workforce-ready economy, well, that starts with investing in higher education and, vo- and investing in our vocational programs for a workforce that will not only stay in Missouri, but will help grow Missouri. So it sounds like you're talking about spending more money. Yes, exactly. Where is it coming from? You're, would you vote to send something to the voters to raise taxes again? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I believe now we're not talking about just for the state to be, you know, we want to be responsible with tax dollars, but I think what we're talking about is really an investment in ourselves. Um, when you look at the investment we've made in higher education, it has continuously gone down over the last 10 years or so. Um, I think you have a personal connection to UMKC. 
I mean, we can see that, you know, if you even look at the conservatory, we just talked about this, you know, the conservatory at UMKC is in is in pretty bad shape. And that's because the state has not been investing in the buildings. We have one of the top conservatories in the state. It's nationally renowned. And we are our our buildings over there look like squalor. And it's it's really an shame to the state. It's an shame to the university. And we should mention that KCUR is uh, an editorially independent uh, community service of UMKC. Uh, let me ask you about some other legislation that is on the Republican agenda, uh, as we have been hearing it sort of roll out over the last few weeks. Uh, one of the things a lot of leaders are talking about is Clean Missouri, the the measure that was approved by voters uh, with more than 60 percent of the vote. Uh, it established some new ethics rules. It mm-hmm. also changed the way redistricting will occur for state legislative seats after the 2020 census. Uh, there is some talk that Republicans think that was unfair, that there was misinformation in the campaign, uh, and that voters uh, didn't know what they were approving when they did so, and and it should be revisited. What do you think about that? Well, it's exactly what you just said, Brian. It was a campaign. And if they thought that there was misinformation being given to the voters, then it was on... The Republican Party, it was on the big money donors uh, to give their side of the story. And they didn't. They remained silent. And um, because of that, um, the voters decided with 63 percent of the vote that they wanted to change the way we draw districts in Missouri to make it more fair and more equitable for folks across the state. Um, I would agree that when, you know, two thirds of the state's population live in urban areas but make up less than uh, almost only a third of the General Assembly, I think that that's a problem. And I think that we have got to look at the way we draw districts to make them more fair and accountable to the voters because really in the end who gets hurt by this is is the residents. I mean, if you are worried about 2,000 people in your primary and the district is 70% Republican or 70% Democratic, I mean, that's a disservice to the folks that we all serve because you're worried about a very small group of people in a primary. And I think that we should not be so quick to roll back the vote of the people and the will of the people, really, um, and, and when it comes to, to clean Missouri. And because I think whether you agree or not, it, it is now it is it's it, it is it has amended our Constitution. Do you see this being on the agenda? This Absolutely. Year? Yes, I do. So you're going to have to fight that in your view. I think we will have to fight it. And I think it's going to be very hard to fight be, simply because we've amended our Constitution to include this. And I think that um, and I think at some point we have to decide what kind of state do we want to be, you know, in an era where you can see unlimited amounts of dark money in politics, both at the national level and this and this and at the state. You know, is that what we want to re- to reduce public service to is about money? And that's not what this should be about. We should make it equitable so every person in in, in the state has access to their government, whether they can, where they give one dollar or they give a million dollars. You know, there were some in your own party who were concerned about those uh, those changes to the way redistricting is done, particularly on the St. Louis side of the state, for fear that uh, people of color who are represented partly in districts that uh, that are majority uh, minority districts, as they say, um, will will suffer as a result of this new way of drawing districts that people of color might be less represented in the legislature after these changes take effect. Are you concerned about that? Well, I think that this is uh, this is new to the state. I think it is a test case, honestly, because you've never we've not seen this anywhere in the country. The way we're going to re- change the way we've drawn these districts, but I will say 
The ballot language is very clear what the people voted on, is that the first thing that they will take in consideration when they draw these districts is keeping continuous minority populations together. So that means that they will not split minority districts up. And so their first thing is to look at something, what is equitable. And so that's something that I think that, um, I think based on the ballot language, it should protect minority voters. A number of Republicans have also been talking about another issue, placing a cap on local sales taxes. Uh, Senator Andrew Koenig uh, has introduced a, a bill that would limit city taxes to 7.275 percent, uh, uh, which that's on top of the 4.2 some state taxes. In other words, Kansas City and St. Louis are really the only cities that might be affected by this. Um, we know city governments are opposed to that. Will the Democratic caucus oppose efforts to limit how high municipal sales taxes can get? Well, they tried this last session and it didn't get anywhere either. Um, it's it's very funny to me how there are members in the majority party who decry, um, you know, local control and the states' rights and things like that. And they want the government to stay out of their business the, or the federal government. But yet, there are some in, our, in the majority party that want to do that to local governments. And you can look at it from the sales tax that you just mentioned. You can look at it to minimum wage. Uh, when the, both St. Louis and Kansas City tried to raise their own minimum level for a livable wage for many workers. And so I just think that, you know, at some point we should let local government run their own local government. That's why you have a mayor and a city council. So this is strictly a, a local local rule issue as you see it. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, if the city council wishes to impose that on themselves, then let them do that. But I don't know why you would hamstring local government with some innocuous state rule, um, you know, and I have much respect for Senator Koenig, but, you know, I'm not sure he understands the city of Kansas City's budget and why would he want to try to restrict their budget um, when we're restricting our own state budget. Um, and so I just think that's that's something we need to look at for the future. Let me circle back to something you mentioned earlier, uh, transportation and infrastructure. Um, the state voters failed to approve a gas tax increase that on sort of a bipartisan basis, everyone said was essential for the upkeep of the state's roads and bridges. Where do you go now? Um, if voters are not going to support a fuel tax increase, what other options are there? Can this session of the General Assembly make any progress in funding transportation and infrastructure? I'm not sure um, because this is the second statewide vote that I can remember. They did one maybe three or four years ago and it failed, um, and that was um, that was a more, that was actually more money than this project was. Um, I'm I'm just not sure. People do not like um, gas tax, and I and I knew that very early on when. MoDOT was pushing this proposal, um, and I supported the tax because I think it was something we needed. But I remember doing my legislative end-of-session town hall, and I brought this issue up, and I had probably 200 people there. Every last one of them were against this, that measure. They don't want their, they didn't want to guess And you're in a fairly progressive I am. democratic I'm in, district. I'm in a very progressive democratic district and people just were shaking their heads. They weren't, they were not buying it. They did not want to pay. They just heard gasoline tax and they just didn't want to pay it. Even though we have one of the lowest gasoline taxes in the nation. And so I just thought to myself, I thought, wow, if my district is doing this, what are some of these other rural to moderate districts saying? And so I thought we would be in trouble then, and you know, um, and, and and if you look at the numbers, it failed pretty handsomely. Yeah, 
wasn't close. No, it wasn't close at all. So I haven't heard any other uh, any other better ideas. No, I, I just don't know. Um, I, I don't know at this point. I think that we're, we, we're, we should wait to see what the governor will say and, and if he will address it in the governor's state of the state address in January. I mean, I think this is going to take gubernatorial leadership, and I think it's something we have to expect from the governor. And I think, unfortunately, this tax failed also because we had we were without leadership from the governor's office for the last 18 months. Um, Governor Greitens actually did not support the tax. Um, he was very um, noncommittal on the tax. And it, Governor um, Parsons came in within the last three months and tried to support it and tried to campaign for it. But at that point, it was almost too late. Hmm. I've talked a lot about uh, issues that we know Republicans are going to be focusing on in the upcoming session. W- what are your priorities as one of the leaders of the Democrats? Uh, what would you like to see this legislature accomplish? I still would like to see us keep talking about expanding Medicaid in this state. Um, I think that that will actually maybe be on the ballot this year since the legisca- legislature was unable to pass it in their own right. I think you may see that as a ballot initiative, just like you saw in Utah and in Nevada where they pass their own Medicaid expansions, and so which are slightly more conservative states than we are. Um, that's something that I'd like to see us happening. And I think you're going to see Medicaid in the state budget be very big conversations this year because our Medicaid population um, is costing us more and more money. And we are having to cut foot the bill. And I think if we can get the Fed, federal government to cover 90 percent of that cost, I think that is a win-win for the state of Missouri. Um, also, we're going to have some tough conversations about the budget. And as I said before, we are collecting less and less revenue. And what those priorities, you know, your budget is a reflection of the state's priorities. And so the question is, what are our priorities for the next year? And what are we going to do with less money than we had the year before? Are there any things, uh, <clears throat> are there any other issues that you think Kansas City voters in particular should be paying attention to uh, as this session convenes? Uh, well, it's funny you mentioned that in light of our situation with the uh, with the Chiefs winning, um, <laughs> there is a subsidy that the city, uh, the Jackson County gets from the state. It's about two and a half million dollars a year that we that the state provides for Arrowhead Stadium, and that's for general upkeep. And as you know, the last governor was very much opposed to these types of subsidies. Um, at Arrowhead and I think um, and the St. Louis Stadium where the Rams played, they were getting a subsidy as well. Uh, and so there was a great deal of talk that this subsidy was going to go away. And as you know, that the sports teams bring a lot of money into the state and into the area. Um, I will be very curious to see if this is something that Governor Parsons will hold the line on and protecting our keeping our teams here. Um, I think that's something we're going to have to really look at because I think that's a, if if we can't provide that that those dollars to the stadiums and bring thousands of people here, um, that money's got to come from somewhere. Let me ask you one more question, uh, Representative McGee. Uh, Jason Holzman, uh, the senator uh, from the area, is term limited at the end of this term. Uh, you live in his Senate district, I believe. Um, There's already one declared Democratic candidate in that district, Representative Greg Razor. Uh, Is a Senate run something you've thought about or are you considering? Um, Not at this time. I'm really focused on my leadership position in the House. Um, Being the um, assistant floor leader takes a lot of my time. And I am really focused on just trying to do what is best for my members and trying to do what's best for my district at this point. 
Um, you know, that Senate Senate race is two years away. That is a lifetime in politics. And so um, it's not something that I really have thought about much and just kind of keep focusing on that. So and just focusing on, you know, doing my good job, doing the job we're doing um, to my leadership race. I just got elected two months ago to that. So that it keeps my plate pretty full. Representative Deron McGee, assistant Democratic floor leader in the Missouri House of Representatives, uh, helping us take a look at the session that's about to get underway this week. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me, Brian. Statehouse Blend Missouri is a production of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening.